Hello, and welcome to Remove Film from Trey, episode 19. We're back. Little little midweek, little off-schedule episode, little treat. I'm Ex Mortis. You can call me Mortis. Counts here. Hey. It's October. Finally. Halloween time. Slushy's here. I hate October. What? I just don't like horror movies. I don't like horror. It's scary. I'm a, I'm a scaredy cat. You're some kind of fucking pussy, Slushy. Things you wish yes. you knew. Go to go to things you wished you knew before gaming Reddit to find out Slushy hates horror. <laughs> <laughs> what? You never been there? You never been to that Reddit? Uh-uh. It's like no. Like I wish I wish I knew in Metal Gear Solid Three that you could shoot the beehive on that one part. I don't know shit like that. Well, that person's a dumbass because. Naked Snake looks at the beehive and does the smile that has been memed to death. So if he didn't think to try and shoot it down, he wasn't paying attention. He probably thinks that game's not political. <laughs> it's not. No? So here's, here's something that's not political. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was the Avengers. <laughs> Was yeah, this political? I, was, I don't know. Was this anything? What, we don't know what this is. I screened the Avengers. For those of you listening, audio only available on such uh, platforms as Google Podcast and Apple Podcast. This we is the and Spotify and Spotify. Definitely this is, Spotify. I upload them to Spotify. They're supposed to automatically go to the other things, but nobody will tell me if they're there, and I can't look myself. Well, it's on Google Podcast. You that it's not a closed system like Apple Podcast. Spotify listeners, special shout out to you. This is the Avengers though, not the comic book movie, but the nineteen ninety eight adaptation of the nineteen sixties television show. And it is a mess of a fucking movie. But not as bad as being the worst movie of all time. Like it gets what, a was, what was the for citation having. for that on Wikipedia? I don't know, but I also remember when this came out, people were saying it like years ago. I don't, yeah, I don't remember hearing anything about it. I, I remember Cyraptor, friend of the show, was saying that he remembers a standee of the movie. <laughs> like, I remember that too. I remember this being like pushed, but I mean, I also remember like a cardboard standee of wind talkers or whatever. So, if you don't know, know what the Avengers of any are originally folks it's uh a secret agent show spies british uh dandies with a hot girl usually teaming up it's not always emma peel but that's the most famous one is emma peel and uh it's kind of like doctor who where you have this guy and he always has a a babe following around helping with shit and usually the woman is more competent than he is and that guy's name is Steed, although I think in the first series, because they don't call things seasons over there because the British are insane. In <laughs> series one, it's like just two dudes. So just skip to series two if you're in it for the babes. If you're in it for the two dudes, just stop after season one. Anyway, this movie has Emma like <laughs> It's an adaptation. It's its own take on the series, and it brings up back uh, Emma Peel, this time played by Uma Thurman, 
and Ralph Fiennes playing uh, Steed, and Uma Thurman's being cloned, and her clone is doing all these atrocities in her name, and Emma Peel is set to be some badass, but we don't see any of that. We're just told it. We Are don't we see any of it. Kind of? Because <laughs> I had never... I I like when this came out. I you know I remember being like, "What? I don't, what Avengers? All right, well, kind of take your word on that." I I had, had still never seen an episode until Count showed me one right before we watched this movie, and Emma Peel is highly competent and like fighting a lot and acrobatic. And in this movie, Uma Thurman does nothing. Like yeah. she gets knocked she out about four times and she does nothing <laughs> like i don't and she like she's a doctor i remember them making a big deal about that i don't like she's what is she a botanist or something i don't even remember what was like going on Some like, sort why, of, why did they bring her in she like was leading the project that sean connery's character stole to manipulate them. oh okay that right, Sean Connery's sense. in this too. He's the villain, and he's like doing an impression of himself, and it sucks. The thing about this film is that I think they expect people watching it to be fans of the show, which Americans didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah, Americans <laughs> didn't know what it was, and also this came out like twenty to thirty years okay, after 30 years the later. show was. I mean, that's yeah. you know there was so a lot like, of that going around. We had the for sure the, like Charlie's uh, Angels shortly yeah. after this, and what's that other one? Uh, Brady Bunch, right? You was know. there a Brady Bunch movie? There were like two in the nineties. Yeah, weren't there? Wow. Yeah, there were two uh, at least. Dukes of Hazard, you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of and a lot of those were revivals. rerun the death on American television in syndication, and right. the Avengers did run. In syndication in America, but not until I was in college. That's which is when I watched it. It was right before the comic book Avengers came out. Starsky and it. Hutch is another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I did see, and I remember liking. Yeah, they they were probably not very for, good. They were but... looking for fodder for big Hollywood movies. Wild Wild West <laughs> was was that based on a show? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, anyway, this didn't. Yeah, it didn't feel faithful to the show. Just, I mean, mainly because of Uma Thurman. I don't know. A lot of the people we were watching this with was like mm, Uma Thurman. Damn, I'll watch anything with Uma Thurman. I don't like. Where, where does that come from? I don't. I don't know. It I don't comes know from the, Kill Bill. Kill Bill, Pulp Fiction thing. Yeah. Like, what else besides Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction has she be a, been in? Because I can't... Probably a lot of stuff. I'm sure, yeah. I just can't necessarily think of anything. At least yeah, in the she's era. She's been in things. Oh, yeah. I guess she was in Batman and Robin. Yeah, there you Which go. people also hate and consider to be one of the worst <laughs> films of all time. But they're incre incredibly wrong. She also plays a plant doctor in that. Maybe yeah, that's why that's I thought true. she was a plant <laughs> Yeah. Uh I thought Steed was cool. Yeah. Slushy hated I, him. Yeah, he like I don't he always seemed like he was on the verge of tears. What? 
I mean, stiff upper lip and all that, right? His face acting, like it, it was really weird. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if Ralph Fiennes is just like that, because I, I don't think I've really seen any other Ralph Fiennes films. Apparently, Um, he plays Voldemort. If that means anything to anyone, he doesn't have a nose in that. Like, he's like CG. Completely different situation. Anyway, his nose in this sucks. Uh, <laughs> bad, bad nose acting. So my, maybe that's why they took it off. Here's some other things Uma Thurman's been in. Uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind in 1984. So probably not Nausicaa. The Disney Probably one. whatever the... Yeah. the well, it, uh, it says 1984 because that's when it came out. But it's oh, okay. the Disney one. Okay, that makes sense. I think she um, might be... Kushanata? She's yeah, she's Kushana. Right. Um Adventures of Baron Munchausen. A bunch of movies I've never heard of. And then Pulp Fiction. And then more movies I've never heard of. And then Batman and Robin. And Gattaca, I don't like Pulp Fiction. And ninety eight Lay Miz. No. And the Avengers. <laughs> I don't love it. And then a bunch no, of movies I should, I've I should never say heard I don't of. hate it, but yeah, I don't love it. People talk about it too much as if it's the best fucking thing in the well, world it's, uh, watch more movies uh, it's uh, uh revitalized some would say vitalized to begin with in indie film yeah well it ruined search and an engine optimization for real actual pulp fiction and i will <laughs> never forgive it for that uh and then he did it again with grindhouse fucker he did it again you fucker stop it What's he, what's he going to do next? Uh, I don't even know. Por- he's just going to make a movie called Pornography. Yeah. <laughs> uh, She's in My Super Ex-Girlfriend. I forgot about that movie. She plays the that? super. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What, you know. Why is she... Why does she suck in this? Was Is it Hollywood's fault? Is it the director's Supposedly fault? Supposedly this was gutted. People in my chat were saying that. It was gutted, and I thought they were all joking, but there actually it was much longer, and they cut out about an hour from the runtime. According, would they according to Wikipedia, like an hour of, of cool action scenes? I don't know, because <laughs> normally when shit is cut from a movie, it's like, oh, that was. Mm, I see why that was cut. <laughs> like, it's not like right. Oh, this cool high budget like lady flipping and kicking scene. Like, oh, hmm. Now nah, we don't need that. I suggest watching the original show over this because Emma Peel is competent and cool and sexy and funny and flirty and it's very easily available. It's on Pluto TV. It's also on the Internet Archive. Check it out. The original Avengers. This was on Tubi. This is this not is... the worst movie of all time. Right. Not even close, but it's not very good. And Yeah. It's not really all that interesting. <laughs> kind of boring. Yeah. It has a I lot of like highfalutin. It... I said this while we were watching. Sorry, Celestia. Um, it... Celestia was like mad about how British this movie was. And like, I feel like this movie, I said while we were watching, I feel like this is an MTV executive's idea of what British is. Like, right. it's just like, yeah. just bear style like zero substance posh like every scene is in a new kind of 
goofy room and <laughs> like there's just like a lot of weird accent and eccentricity to it that like they don't really go into like it's all the weird stuff is like in one scene and then it's gone and not, it, they don't really play into it that much i don't know it's it's just a not a great movie right and mortis was asking me if the old show was as sci-fi as this movie is and i don't remember it being sci-fi i remember there was an episode of robots but i looked it up on the wikipedia and the as the series went on it went more and more sci-fi and weird apparently which i guess this movie is taking from but once again i didn't watch the original show until way after this movie about 10 years uh but for the sake of argument had it been in syndication and someone like myself only seen those early episodes, this would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is this? Fu this isn't the fucking Avengers. What is going on? <laughs> when half your show is played straight as a sci-fi or as a, a straight spy serial, and then it turns into sci-fi in the later half. So that's weird. Pretty weird. Don't check it out. Check out the original series. I don't think it deserves the 5% it has on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't think it deserves that much higher. I agree. Yeah. Maybe a 30%. I mean, you know, keep in mind, it's an aggregate of thumbs up or thumbs down. It's not like people right. giving a 5 I think in that regard, like who is going to give this a thumbs up? I don't know. but right. it, has, <laughs> it has a, a 3.8 on IMDb. I'd say that's more accurate. Yeah. yeah, I think I gave it a fitting. three. So, so that's a couple the other Avengers. Harry Potter actors in this too. Uh, not great. Let's see. Count. Oh, uh, before we move on, yeah, what I did want to want to say when you so rudely interrupted. So I don't. Um, there is a novelization. Go on. of the film apparently that used the original <laughs> script. So if you want to know what got cut, <laughs> read the book. That's, Thank you. So you see that a lot. That's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's, that's it's funny. really weird how I've many been. like novelizations of films there are in general. Like it, it kind of makes sense for like movies aimed at younger audiences. I think. Yeah. Because like, oh, here's here's a movie you like. Do you want to yeah. read a book about it? I remember like, reading oh, my a lot kid, of novelizations. My kid's finally in, fucking reading. Yeah, right. Yeah. In like sixth but, grade. Like, yeah. <laughs> for the Avengers, that's weird. Yeah. That's I, I follow a guy on YouTube, the Dungeon Dive, and then he has this spinoff channel, um, and he's he like collects novelizations of movies. <laughs> he's always like remarking on the difference. The novelization of Fellowship of the Ring. Ah, what if that happened? Sure, something like that exists at some point where it's like an adaptation <laughs> novelization, a novelization of the Ralph Bakshi animated version. I don't know. So, Count, you, you've seen some movies. I did. That we I've didn't see. movies without you. Uh, I'm sitting here. I'm sipping my coffee, watching movies. One of them was Jim Jarmus's Only Lovers Left Alive, which is a film starring Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton as ancient vampire lovers. At the beginning of the movie, they're in two different parts of the world, and they slowly come together. Not that slowly. About a half hour in, they meet up. And uh, it's a hangout movie. Not a lot happens, and I loved it. I have seen a few Jim Jarmus movies. Some of them I hate, such as 
uh, that fucking zombie movie he made. I thought it was atrocious, but the one with Kylo Ren. Yes, which I Dead Don't Die. I think it's what it's called. Yeah, I saw right. a screening of that like fucking two weeks earlier than it came out, and it was funny because there were people outside of the theater and they wanted your opinions, right? Mm-hmm. And they could hear me. <laughs> <laughs> they could hear us all that fucking they could hear you cussing. So, right, so they're asking everyone in front of me because they're like, oh yeah, this is really nice, and they don't ask me like for like a statement or anything. So that's my anecdote about Jim Jarmus. But Only Lovers Left Alive was really good. I think it's from 2010-ish. No, 2012, maybe? I didn't look it up. About 10 years old. Okay. It's pretty comfy. It's not a horror movie at all. It's just these vampires suffering from ennui. It, aesthetically, it's incredible. She's obsessed with books, and he's obsessed with music, so his whole house is like an ancient mansion in a rotting Detroit. There's a lot of all-location shots of Detroit, and so his mansion is filled with instruments and records and old recording equipment. So if you're into something that's just chill and calm and romantic, because it has vampires, it's going to be romantic, um, I would check this out. Don't expect something fast-paced. Don't expect action. Just because it's vampires. like Them being vampires is almost secondary completely to the plot. Like It, it comes in, and there's some quirky stuff with it, but it's very much just like a movie about two people in love who came back together and are trying to like rekindle their love. That sounds all right. Jim Jarmusch looks a little that. bit like a Bogdanov twin. There, I don't know. <laughs> there's what that a few is. things in this movie I could see people rolling their eyes at, which I don't know. Uh, I don't know to spo- if you don't want the movie to be spoiled. Skip ahead a minute or two until this is off the screen. Uh, and Morris and Sasha, I hope you don't mind me spoiling it for the two of you, but. Now, I don't mind this so much because you know, I'm clearly a count. I deal with vampire stories and lore, but I can <laughs> see how some people will get upset with shit where it's like they're ancient vampires. There's another guy who's played by John Hurt. He's a vampire, and it's like, oh, he was actually Shakespeare. And then, like, Tom Hiddleston's character was actually all these famous musicians, like that type of thing, which yeah. a lot of people would roll their eyes at. So if you don't like little cutesy things like that, it's a very small part of the movie. Get over it. <laughs> That's all. Like a Captain Raz aside here, just creating a straw man to yell at it. Yeah, well, because I know people would be upset. Be like, oh, he's supposed to be Shakespeare's this corny. It's about vampires, okay? What happened to fun? As Slushy always says. Yeah. What did happen yeah. to fun? What the fuck happened to fun? Happened to fun. fun. Go watch Legend of Chun Li. It's fun. Uh, we're going to. Yeah. We're going to be doing an episode in the future. We don't know when. It's going to be called Let's Kill Count, and we're going to watch all Slushy's movies that she wants to show me. I'm announcing it formally. Well, now we have to do it. Oh, we're going to do it. I just can we just get it over with? Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Oddly I don't November. have to hear about it anymore. So you you make it through October, Slushy, then we'll we'll give you this. Right, we all gotta get it settled in November, and then we'll we'll do it. All right, so another count movie, The Love Witch. Is this really an old movie, or is this like a fake old movie? This is a fake old movie. Oh wow, it looked pretty authentic. It it's also let me look up the date. Twenty sixteen. 2016. Thank you, Slushy. It is from 2016. It's shot to look like it's from the 60s, kind of like a Hammer horror movie, but kind of also just like an American 60s horror movie. It's set in America. It's set in modern time, although they're all wearing 60s-style clothes. They're driving modern cars, and they have smartphones. So it's a very weird, timeless type of movie. Yeah? Streets of Fire. Yeah, we don't really know what the time period is, and it doesn't really matter. You're in just for the ride. It's a very pretty movie. Uh, the main woman, the love witch herself, is constantly changing outfits, and she looks gorgeous in all of them. And what it's about is a woman had her heart broken, so now she's on a revenge path against all men, where she gets a man to fall in love with her, and then she ends up killing him, and she's a bit insane and the movie follows her essentially just seducing men, killing men. And even the cop that tries to get on her trail, she ends up seducing and uh, who knows what happens between the two of them. I won't spoil this one. You ever see that, uh, that under, uh, under the skin? I have seen under the skin. Uh, the uh, uh, she takes her top off in that. <laughs> She does more. She takes everything off in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see everything. I don't think there's. I don't remember if there's nudity in this. There's uh, yeah, nudity in this. Yeah, there's nudity in the trailer on IMDb. <laughs> I don't think you see her breast though. I think she just like takes off her clothes and then you don't actually see. Well, anything. yeah, she's got like the long hair that go in front of her boobs, yeah. but she's fully nude. Well, that's not nudity then. It's a, right. If you don't, there's no nip. You got it. Yeah. There's no nip. <laughs> but if you're uh, into Hammer horror movies like I am, it has a bit of that flair to it. This is on Tubi, I believe, or was. Um, At least a also, few days ago. Yeah. Uh, although I think we watched it on some other service, but it is on Tubi. Uh, I recommend The Love Witch. It's also another slow movie. It's not a lot of action. It's not a lot of crazy horror kills. It's just kind of another hangout movie with this really insane witch. And if you like colors, I'm colorblind. So imagine if you could see colors. You would love this movie. <laughs> I can't even see most of them and I liked it. <laughs> so I think it's worth watching. If you're into this sort of thing, if you're into Hammer Horror, if you're into old Satanic Panic type movies, check out The Love Witch. It's pretty good. All right. What kind of colorblind are you? Uh, reds and greens, also blues. So what does that mean? Browns are in that too. Reds and greens look the same to you? Yeah, reds, green, and brown. Uh, they say 
Yeah, they look the same. They say colorblind. It's more like I'm color stupid. Right. I don't know why they say colorblind. It should be like some sort of color dyslexia well, they, almost. If they called people color stupid, I I think it would not be well regarded as a term. Sure, but then people think I can't see the color at all. It's just that like that, <laughs> there's just like the a same. hole in it. Right. I can just yeah, see through people, it. Be, growing up, we'd be like, "Well, what's this color?" It's like it. They look the same. Like, what do you want me to say? I can see a color. There's something there. Anyway, I'm sorry for your loss. So <laughs> another. Anyway, all of them. The leaves are changing. Go see them. Yeah. MDB showed Shadow Creature as his Friday night movie. This is a little B movie about a hair product that turns a man into a crazy shadow creature, it's and he goes on a rampage, killing up people at the local college, which also is a laboratory, but also has a lot of theater kids. So yeah. this movie has great effects, really good kills, kind of a shitty story, kind of boring outside of the kills and effects, but for what it is, it's also neat. And we, I could we, recommend uh, Shattered Creature. We watched that other short film where uh, Luke Skywalker killed people at the local community We did. College. This was better than that. Okay. <laughs> this is practical effects. There's intestines. There's kind of the Vampire Hunter D thing where this guy has a hole in his hand and it's pulsing at him. And it's Does it talk to him? It doesn't talk to him, but it's pretty fucking gnarly. There's some good shit in this. And then a lot of boring shit like a B-movie has from the era. It's a shame because if this had a little bit of a higher budget and a tighter script, this could be a real fucking classic. Uh, MDB was showing on stream like because it was on YouTube, and then the, the comments are like, I'm so glad my grandfather made this movie. <laughs> like My dad worked on this movie, so apparently uh, big fans of the movie all worked on the movie or had someone work on the movie, which I think is cute and nice. and It's a good movie. If this is the only thing that guy made, it's a nice legacy for I'm, anyone. To have I'm, I'm looking at the poster here and I'm not recognizing uh, really any of these names. Yeah, it's a true little indie picture. Yeah. But I think it's worth watching. Like I said, it's not the stuff outside of the effects. Kind of boring. Um, acting not that great, but for what it is. <laughs> the shadow creature runs and it's the funniest shit. <laughs> and it's <laughs> so he's kind of like the wolf man, but he's like a fish man. So he has like his pants and shirt on still, <laughs> but he's like kind of this fish creature. <laughs> I liked it. I like shadow creature. You can get it on YouTube for free. Go watch it. Good. This is a good one for all you college kids out there wanting to show something a little bit rare. Shadow creature. Need needs to be cooked a little more. It's a little, it's still a little pink in the middle. A little pink. It could be tightened. Could be better. But <laughs> for people that seemingly have no industry connections and never went on to, I think it's good. Making movies hard. Yeah. Yeah. We'll. Uh, That's easy. I can say more about that later. <laughs> <laughs> So back together, back together again. Uh, the last of the the minor movies of the week. Gross Point Blank. 
we watched this last night, two nights ago. I don't remember. Two nights ago, um, I think. Two nights ago. This is from 1998, is that right? Ish. It's definitely uh, said in 98. Sure. Uh, I love this movie. Great movie. I'd seen it before. 97. Count, you'd seen it before. I had seen it before, and I do love I this didn't. movie. You, didn't you didn't see it before. Seen it before. Yeah. Synops, synopsis the movie, Slushy. Uh, John Cusack, who deserves to be in more roles. Uh, let me let me jump now in and forever. Um, okay. <laughs> he's. I was wondering about that because it does seem like he fell off, but like he's still in a lot of stuff. It's just like stuff you've never heard of, and it has like three on IMDb. So he's. He's still working. He's just not really, I think, of leading man age anymore. Is, is the issue. Anyway, go on. Um he's a he's a hitman. He's a professional killer. Uh he will remind you of that every three minutes. Anytime he talks to someone, which yeah. is a very funny bit. Uh and he's been invited to his high school reunion. Um where the girl that he stood up at prom uh, lives in the city of Gross Point, Michigan, uh, very near to where I grew up, but I lived in the poor part of it. Uh, so I like I went I went to the area where this film was filmed once, and it was very walkable. There were like cobblestone streets. They were playing music over like a PA system in the entire town. It was insane. <laughs> it was an insane look into how the rich live. <laughs> um, very strange. Anyway, he goes to the reunion cause he also has a contract in that town. Uh, and hijinks ensue because he's going a little crazy. Uh, and he's not sure why he meets up with the girl that he stood up on prom and i don't i don't i don't want to get into too many specifics because i think it's a movie that someone should just watch but it was very good it was very fun do you think go ahead mortis no go on i was gonna say do you think he goes around even before the events of this film when he meets someone and just says i'm a professional killer (laughs) or do you think it was part of his mental breakdown i think it was part of his mental breakdown i think yeah i think i I think he didn't say anything to anyone before the events of this film. And that was sort of part of the point. One of the, one of the few people he ever talks to, it feels like is his assistant. Right. And his therapist who he has basically kidnapped. Right. His therapist who he's threatened the life of, if he doesn't do therapy on him. Um, I think this movie has, basically a, like a perfect script and most of the performances are really really good uh ev- like it's very quippy and very like smart like everything in it gets set up and paid off in really good ways uh it's just all the characters are like fun and believable uh i th- i feel like the i was thinking about this in the shower i think the weakest Part of the movie was the two CIA guys. Like they just kind of yeah. like with the exception of the scene in the bathroom, they just kind of like sleepwalk through the movie. It feels like which one of them is 
uh, Hank Azaria, is that right? Right, that's <laughs> the right. Simpsons guy from Godzilla. Almost got stepped oh. on by Godzilla. Uh, they Dan Aykroyd's in this. He's great. He's like incredible yeah, he's in this. Fantastic. He's like neurotic and on pills. <laughs> he's like the rival if you, hitman. If you love Ghostbusters and love Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters, you owe it to him and yourself. <laughs> to watch literally any other movie he's in because he's fucking great in all of them that I've seen. Anyway. Which is like Nothing But Trouble, which is great. Neighbors, which is great. This, which is great. Feeling very great proud night. right now of my little slushy. <laughs> Thank you. We love you, Dan. Your vodka's a little too expensive, but we love you. I need to. Need to. I've finally... never seen Blues Brothers or Coneheads, but I'm sure he's great in those two. Uh, I like Blues Brothers. Coneheads is his SNL movie, you know. Yeah, I don't really like Coneheads. <laughs> Blues Brothers is kind of SNL movie too, isn't it? I mean, technically, like it, it shows up on the lists. You know, yeah. if there's a listicle about top ten SNL movies, they'll put it on there. Blues Brothers was made by that guy. <laughs> that guy? No, I'm not kidding. What? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like... What? <laughs> John Landis. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think anyone died filming Blues Brothers, so, no. even though they drove through that mall, which seems pretty dangerous. Um, but yeah, gross point blank. I don't know. I was watching a uh, little, little shout out to another Twitch user, uh, Forbidden VHS. I may not even have the name right. It was going through a stack of tapes and pulled out gross point blank and was like, Hey, you don't, you don't hear about this movie anymore. This is, this is a weird movie. It's like, I feel like this was pushed a lot at the time. Like I remember going to blockbuster and the poster was always like staring me back in the face from in front of where I parked. But yeah, like I, you don't really hear about this that much anymore. I don't know. Yeah, people don't talk about this movie. It deserves it. Dan Aykroyd's performance is really good. All the performances are good. Do people talk about rom coms anymore? Uh, this isn't. Is this a rom com? I guess it is. It's a bit of rom com. I mean, it's it's a rom com like, that a human can watch. You know, which right? I think like is it, rare. it's. <laughs> It's not a it's not a very formulaic rom com, right. but I would say it's a rom com. But yeah, I I feel like I'm sure they're still being made. I I don't talk to many. Yeah, I don't know regular people anymore. I guess it like, feels very Shane Black guys, to me. This you movie. Know I mean. Could you explain what that means to the viewers? Uh, to the viewers at home, Listeners. Shane Black who wrote predator directed the predator don't see that movie he did kiss kiss bang bang you should see that one that one's good uh he wrote the monster squad just a very he writes these tight scripts that Mm. are very funny and everything pays off and that's what this feels like to me because this director has like a no career outside of this yeah very very weird career on this director And this movie's fucking good and so why didn't this person get more chances or what led to this what made this so good? Was the director really... How much input did he have? I'm curious about all of that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, the director has just a couple, like, really small, sort of, like, 
late era, you know, grindhouse, I guess, like shitty little action movies that no one has ever heard of. And then like this and then nothing. Uh, That's a shame because if as much of this movie is reflected on the director, if that's true, then that he had a lot of potential to give us a lot more great movies in the nineties. I knew how to direct actors, I guess. Absolutely. Good soundtrack, too. I don't know. It depends on how much you like The Clash, I guess. I don't mind The Clash, so I enjoyed it. I, I had a job that I only had for, like, two months uh, one time that literally every day the soundtrack was on. <laughs> Just always. So... Soundtrack to I've, this or just to this? Flash? Yeah, this this album. This, like okay. this is this is a big soundtrack movie. I don't know, big big soundtrack seller. I guess I've heard it a lot. Don't love the Clash personally, but it's got Faith No More a little bit. It's got Pixies snuck in there. Who cares? Great yeah, movie. The, uh, Stands Doom on its Two own. machine. Are we going to talk about that? There's a Doom Two arcade machine. Yeah, in this. Uh, Benny the Jet Urquidez is in this. Famous actor from I don't know the best story behind fighting it. scene ever. Best fight scene ever. If you are, if you're on YouTube, <laughs> the story behind what the arcade game? The, yeah, the Doom cabinet. Yeah, it's interesting because like I don't know. Why why engineer a fake Doom 2 arcade cabinet for for a film for one like two scenes of a film? Right, to be in the background. Like some alternate world, I get that, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of timeless, like Streets of Fire in that one. I think I understand it kind of. Cause like it plays a big part in a gunfight that happens in the location where it is where they're like cutting back and forth between some dude on his headphones playing the dude yeah. in the arcade cabinet. Oh yeah. Motorhead and also then, on the soundtrack. Speaking of- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then two guys in the gas station where it is like shooting at each other. Yeah. Like, like, do you think they wanted pretty funny lethal but- enforcers or like what what would have been out in 98 that they could have just 96. had instead 96 or 97 sorry it takes place in that, it's just weird you know why make you know i mean i don't know that guy th- looks le- like i think they could have had to be lethal enforcers you know and that might have been might have made for a funny scene you know <laughs> just like yeah. a gun game instead of a fps game i don't know i agree strange choice game. but i wonder if the director was a big doom fan or somebody just, must have been yeah yeah when the set designers was how'd they sneak that into the fucking movie <laughs> it's just like it's a whole thing it's it has like a marquee right you know? it's, it's like a, it's like a whole custom cabinet but anyway, like, did great. they make it for the movie? Did they, they must find have. that somewhere? Did, what happened? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe know. somebody had it, you know? Maybe right. somebody on the staff just was like, oh, I got this. I love Doom 2 so much. I got this. Found this Arcade at the pawn shop. Some sucker's getting a divorce, and he had to sell it for $50. 
I, you know, they could have gotten the Quake arcade machine. <laughs> it's pretty Galloping rare. Galloping Ghost has the Doom 2 arcade machine from this movie, by the way. Do they really? No. No, I'm lying. They okay. do have the Quake. They do have the Quake. Yeah, I was going to say. Maybe it'll show up on a Monday mystery game. Yeah. Tune in later. <laughs> we are doing this on Monday. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Early bird club. Great film. Smart film. Fun film. You, If you're a man, you won't notice it's a romantic comedy. Even if, if you've seen it like seven times. This is only my second time seeing it. Uh, and I did pick up on more things, and it's very enjoyable, very tightly written. It's a good movie. Highly recommend it. I've been thinking about making like a document or something, you know, to like keep track of what we've talked about and our rating, which we don't really necessarily give uh, a rating. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe <laughs> could be something. I'm thinking there. about starting a Neo Cities. I, I got a Neo Cities account. I'm I'm gonna make a web page again. Just that would be cool. Uh, Captain Raz, cover your ears for the next 15 seconds. Chris Point Blank is definitely a movie that would be good for college kids to show their other college friends because they've never fucking heard of it and they will love it and you're at the right age and it's perfect. Yes. I mean, that's when I saw it. So. They could have used Egg Venture instead of Doom. Are you, did you just pick an arcade I'm game? I'm looking at... Well, it's an arcade game where you shoot at eggs with the light gun and it was released in 97 I, I'm not familiar I'll have to look it up Neither was I. I posted a picture of it in the discord let's see let's look at this egg venture oh this looks bad yeah this looks cheap yeah I mean I can see why they maybe didn't use that but House of the Dead also came out that year but like that's zombies. Maybe that would have been weird. Yeah. Anyway, our big our big movie of the episode, Streets of Fire. Which I think we've talked about in every episode leading up to this one. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> Almost definitely. Sort of a running gag uh, from, from me anyway. I feel like uh, I, love this I always movie. mention it. Uh, I've moved this into my top 10. Ghostbusters, sorry, you're out. You're number 11 now. Shuffle things Eat shit, around. Ghostbusters, you're not that good. Wow. We were just praising Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and I was just saying, hey, watch his other movies because they're way better. Slushy uh, doesn't like horror. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate... It's <laughs> a little joke. I don't hate Ghostbusters. I just uh, it's like, it's like, not that's that special. Not so. Streets of Fire. It's a rock and roll fable. Says on the poster. Uh, what is this guy's name? The director. Uh, Walter Hill, right? Walter Hill. Yeah. Uh, he did the Warriors, right? And then he did. What else has he done? Uh, Forty-eight hours. He wrote, he produced Aliens. Oh, yeah. I'm a big, I don't know, 80s. He did uh, Tales from the Crypt. What, like the movie or? 
I believe the TV show he like helped make that. Oh, interesting. Uh, this is a. I want to say the like the first thing that you see in this movie. It says another time, another place. Am I making that up? <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, this is a movie that takes place. It's it's a western. Slushy pointed out. It's a eighties mm-hmm. movie. It's a fifties movie. Uh, it takes place in a timeless vacuum. If you, <laughs> I think it takes place it in the twentieth century. Was it the first? I think the first time we mentioned this was fucking uh, Curse of the Buffet Master. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that movie had a poor sense of place, ill-defined. This is just, you know, this is just, it's magical. You don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Uh, this is a... Uh, this takes place in the 20th century in an American city. Yes. And that's all that matters. And they never say the name of it. <laughs> and you don't need to know oh, it. Oh, but we know it yeah, now. We know it now. Well, oh, boy, we know later. it now. I mean, it looks like Chicago. Uh, it's got an elevated train. Uh, I don't know. It, everyone has pompadours in the film. Most of the supporting characters, including uh, Wild Bill Paxton. <laughs> Huge pompadour. What would you even call this? Like, I guess you would call it an action movie, right? an action yeah. movie it's a musical in a way yeah it's it's not a musical i i refuse to apply that term to this film why okay. it well, has i music. will why do I'll you use refuse? it positively <laughs> because musicals have like non-diegetic music usually in that Everybody just starts seeing it, which isn't what this movie does. Right. This movie is like music is intrinsic to the film. The music of the film is intrinsic to the film and the story. So you would say cabaret isn't a musical because there's when they do music in cabaret, it's because they're singing in the cabaret. It's not. I don't know anything about cabaret. Yeah, I'm just being a smart ass. Um, I kind of figured, but like. <laughs> There's, there's three big music scenes in this. Yes, but like maybe more. They're know. not looking at the audience and singing. Right. My I know. I know what you're saying. It's it's got music in it. Music is very important to it. Right. But it's not I, a, music. a musical. If you're worried about you a musical, type of thing. don't don't be worried about a musical with this movie. <laughs> uh. I don't know. I'm going to sneeze. Hang on. Somebody else say something. I Not think... music. Go ahead, Slushy. No, what were you going to say? You... I'm always cutting you off, so please, Slushy. <laughs> I think that um, this is one of the greatest films of all time. And it is obviously highly influential, but I don't understand why I didn't hear about <clears throat> it before I met Mortis. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So I guess because it was technically a box office failure, was it? It cost fourteen and a half million, and it made eight point one. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know. Like I um, 
I never really heard of this. You know, I I was alive when it came out. Um, I was old enough to watch TV and see trailers, but I'd I'd never heard of this until like the aughts, you know, and it, and that was in the context of. Hey, check out this movie that Final Fight is based on, which we'll talk more later <laughs> on that. Yeah. But uh, it's just weird. Like, it seems to... I feel like most of the people I know now know about Streets of Fire, and maybe that's just because of me. <laughs> but I don't know. Where did you hear about this, Count? Uh, definitely from the Proto-Man. Right. <laughs> More about I'm that later sincere. as well. So, uh, yeah, it was probably around 2008 because the Proto Men put out their first album, which we'll get in more into that. But everyone would say, oh, it's based off this movie, Streets of Fire, Streets of Fire. And I was like, I don't want the Streets of Fire thing. So I tracked it down, a torrent of it, and watched it. And although actually I might not have watched it until like 2009 because I remember watching it at a friend's house and it was after high school. So it would have been 2009. Uh, loved it. We all loved it. It was fucking incredible, and unlike anything we had ever seen or really seen since, you can't replicate this. If you made a sequel to this, it would be like the worst piece of shit in the world <laughs> for even trying. You can't even fucking attempt it. Don't do it. Yeah, it'd be like making a sequel to uh, like a fairy tale, you know? Like yeah. Cinderella 2. Like, no. Just don't do it. Can't do that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know this existed until... The Proto Men put out their first album. I had no idea that this was a thing. Weird. Uh, I knew the Warriors. I knew Walter fate. Hill. Yeah, like Warriors has stayed in the you know cultural zeitgeist, right? Like, right. like I've as long as I've been alive, I've been hearing people say Warriors come out and play. Like, right? Why? Why that? Why not? I don't know. What's like going on? I like this gonna, the Warriors. You're gonna watch Warriors soon. Yeah. And you'll understand. But I mean, I'm sure it's fine, but you're it's like, also correct. It's a good movie. It's just why Warriors? Why is there a Warriors PS2 game? Why isn't there a Streets of Fire PS2 game? Well, because Warriors. they've been making Streets of Fire games since the movie came out. Yeah, they've also Warriors been have all Warriors the different things. It's like a whole thing and marketable and yeah, I don't know. I don't. Okay, so this movie. The movie opens with uh, a performance by Ellen Aim and the attackers uh, in their in her old neighborhood. You you meet is it Billy Fish? <laughs> Something is that his fish. name Fish. You you meet her manager Fish, who is Rick Moranis. Like within, he says one line. He's like, "This time we're in this shithole. We're not going to make any damn money." Like he's dressed like a doofus like fancy checkerboard shirt like instantly you know who fish is you know what's going on bow tie bow tie <laughs> yeah you know he's a shithead uh ellen aim her songs in this movie were written by the meatloaf guy did you know that slushy or like were you doing a bit when we were watching this no i didn't know that for real yeah, for real. That's funny. Wow. Uh, so, 
I didn't know that until right now. Uh, and I think Bonnie Tyler as well. But yeah, while we were watching this, Slushy was like, this is such a meatloaf song. This is such a Bonnie Tyler song. Like all of all of Ellen Ames' songs in the movie, are, like they have that dramatic kind of ridiculousness that meatloaf songs have. Like, what's that lyric? Like, there's an angel in the castle dancing like a cat on the stairs. Like, what? <laughs> what? You... Very meatloaf. Uh, yeah, it no kidding. fucking rules. The songs in this movie are so goddamn good. They're incredible. Some of the best ever. And like the the cinematography on the performances is really great. It's, I mean, it plays into the the timelessness thing, you know, because she's very eighties and the music is very eighties, and she's in this fifties zone. You know, and she doesn't. She doesn't want to be there. God, what is this? This is a good movie. What a good movie! <laughs> I don't know. Jim Steinman. Steinman. Okay. Yeah, and yes, he wrote for both Meatloaf and Body Pack. And I was. He wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yeah. And he wrote I Would Do Anything for Love. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's really funny. That is funny. Um. The full full disclosure, I was a little high watching this movie this time. Usually, usually when I watch a movie high, I will either just spend the whole time like this is so fucking perfect, which like Die Hard, I've done that with, <laughs> and then like <laughs> other times I will just forget a movie completely. Like I forget what the example. Someone was talking about something. Uh, eliminators. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Natasha Yar movie. Yeah. Charles Band's Eliminators. Uh, just don't remember anything about that one. But uh, yeah, so I feel like about the first half of this movie is like literally perfect. And I, I feel like after that, it maybe goes off the rails a little bit. But I don't know. Does anyone I, agree with that? <laughs> I think it's good the entire time. Um, yeah, I didn't say it's bad, but it's just, right. I, I feel like the... I I feel like... Uh, like should we the, go on? Go ahead, Sushi. The, the trip home from yeah. rescuing her is maybe a little bit not as tight as the rest of it. What were you um, gonna yeah. say, Count? Were you gonna say, should we say what the movie's about? Yeah, should we say what the fucking movie's about? Because yeah, we're not probably. talking about the fuck the movie's about. Yeah. So okay, we're here in the the city zone. Uh, there's Ellen Aim. She's she's kidnapped by Willem Dafoe's motorcycle gang, and Raven. yeah, Raven Raven Shattuck, great name, and. Uh, a friend of hers has to call in her brother, Tom Cody, who was like Ellen's high school flame. How old are these characters supposed to be, by the way? Cause I had never, I, I had never noticed, but one of the timeless. cops says, uh, he should be locked up like all the other juvenile delinquents. Right. Like, is he still 17? I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's gotta be just making a, a crack at him, I guess. Maybe. But, but I always thought they were like in their late twenties. Yeah. 
That's what I took it as. I don't know. Tom Cody. When did this movie come out? 86? 84. 84. Okay. Michael Prare would have been 26 at the yeah, time. I mean, so you know. Maybe, maybe like 20, 19, 20. Yeah. 19 or 20. So Cody basically has to go on a mission to rescue Ellen and then the, the consequences <laughs> of that. But yeah, like when the, the cinematography on like Raven's gang coming into the concert is so good. Like they're in shadow and there's this huge backlight like Willem Dafoe steps into the light and then uh, like at, as the chaos starts ensuing Raven's gang, like they're going after the cops, you know, they're not like, Oh shit, the cops let's cheese it. They like, they're just beating the shit out of the cop cars. They fight back. Yeah. You, you, you instantly know everything about like all the stakes are set up and all the, characters and like how tough they are (laughs) like it's all it's all so clear like it just it's it's great you know nobody watching this movie is going to be like who's this guy what's this guy doing (laughs) what's his deal what's his motivation because the movie is just like boom look at this clear crystal clear Defoe isn't in it a lot but you can tell from his brief role that this guy is going to be a fucking star because he just the way he appears on screen, he's so fucking menacing. Was this like his first role, one of them? I it's gotta be an early role for him. He might have been Jesus before this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Said Jesus. He played fucking Jesus in uh what's that movie called? Not Jesus Christ Superstar. Now Last Temptation of Christ. That was eighty eight, so this was uh before Jesus. Okay. Uh, he had his first leading role in the outlaw biker film The Loveless from 1982, then supporting roles in Streets of Fire. So I guess it's like his second movie. Big on the, the biker Sixth. role, I guess. Sixth film. Okay. Looking at IMDb. Okay. Sorry. Thank Just, you. <laughs> those are like other down. very tiny. Yes. So Tom Cody, he's played by Michael Pare. Uh, Michael Paré has been in a lot of Uwe Boll films. Uh, almost all of them, yes. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, no wonder he turned out the way he did. We'll, we'll talk about that later. He's so... We've, we've seen him on the podcast before. He was in uh, the Puppet Master of the Littlest Reich as the, ba- the nasty police detective guy. But this is oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. Uh, he's a he's a young movie? young hunky bad boy with kind of a slightly unfortunate like wispy beard going on, but you know you can yeah. look past it. <laughs> so I think that like the, he's got a real good vagrant. Look. Yeah, he's he's an ex soldier. He's a tough guy. He's a fighter. He's a bad boy. He stops some punks. He steals their car. Again, you you instantly know what he's up to. What kind of person he is. Like, 
the thing that I always compare other movies to this is the night, the nighttime cinematography in this movie is like maybe the best ever. I don't it's very know. good. Like all of the streets are wet and reflective. There's always like some kind of colored spotlight. If not multiple, like every every nighttime shot, and there's a lot of them, it's most of the movie, is just like fucking great to look at. A visual feast for your eyes, for your ears. The city live, looks lived in, even though it also looks like a set at the same time. It's such a weird balance to strike. Yeah, it really does look like a soundstage, but it also... Like it, yeah, it just it looks it's real. both. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's very it's like a fairy tale. It it's like unlike anything you've ever seen in your life, Streets of Fire. Often imitated, never duplicated. <laughs> right. yeah. I don't know what inspired this, is what I'd like to know. Is what I don't know if they were going for the Broadway musical thing, but in a grounded Hollywood type setting. Yeah, I don't know. It's for whatever reason, I guess it didn't work out. I guess <laughs> Yeah, apparently they weren't ready for it. Yeah. So I don't know. Fish. Great. Uh, we haven't talked about McCoy. There's a a lesbian soldier turns up and helps Tom Cody in his quest. Uh, there's a scene where a lady's stripping and McCoy is just like staring at the stripper, <laughs> like not you know not explicitly lesbian, but certainly. But she is she is very butch. Yeah, and Cody is not her type. She keeps saying. Yeah, Cody's not her type. He's how could Cody not be someone's type? It's ridiculous. Well, I think the here's in here's from my notes. I feel like the scary bum scene could have been cut without anyone noticing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't add anything. It's it's just kind of out of place and maybe shows how cowardly Fish really is. If the audience didn't get it by now, I th- yeah. They would have had to, though. I know, but people are stupid. Moranis is great in this, by the yeah. way. There's so there's a story that, like, sort of in a weird synchronicity way, I've seen like twice in the past couple weeks about how when when they when they were getting ready to film this, Rick Moranis met Michael Pare and was like, "So are you a?" are you really cool or do you just act like it? And apparently that made Michael Pare matter than like anything ever has. <laughs> like it ruined his life or something. I don't know. Hey, like Christ, there's worse things to say to somebody. <laughs> Rannis is a comedian. Yeah. Okay? He's gonna, he's like, I don't, I don't like working with comedians. They think they can say whatever they want to anybody. Like, have you, like I've, there's people in my life who act like that. Like every time I meet them, <laughs> just I don't I know. heard worse. Yeah. Than, are you really cool or just act like it? Yeah. But I don't know. Moran, he 
he plays a real asshole, just a little weaselly music promoter. Great. He's character. a promoter and also the new girlfriend or new boyfriend to Ellen. Right. Rival and he's he's just he's a great character. You know, Ellen not <laughs> It's weird like Ellen Aim as a damsel like was not really in that much danger, you know? Like they kidnapped her, they didn't like they tied her up, they didn't assault her instantly. And then yeah. w- Willem Raven is like, ah, "Let's come on, war- warm up to me. Let's fall in love for a few weeks and then I'll let you go home." It's like He's not like gonna kill her. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's just kind of oh, weird. We don't know. I mean, he could be lying, of course. He could be lying, but I I don't think anyone in this movie is lying. I think this I think you can take everything in this at face value <laughs> to Could yeah. That's a good point. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just looking at my notes. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Slushy pointed out about the Western rifles. Like I had never noticed that about the the timeless aspect. They're using cowboy rifles. There's not. Yeah, they're very cool. There's not like a lot of action in this movie. Like nobody gets killed. Barely anyone even gets like beat up. But there's some shooting, and it's all like lever action cowboy rifles. Lever action cowboy rifles, and then like a simple 12 gauge pump action shotgun. This movie is style. It's pure style. It's pure style, yes. (laughs) I I don't know. I, I don't really know. In general, like, I don't, I don't want to spoil the movie. I just nah. I just want to say watch this movie if you haven't seen it and if you have let us know what you think in the comments <laughs> I don't know you see it's going to stick like, with you forever yeah I feel like very often movie posters don't really capture the real mood of the movie mm-hmm. and I think with Streets of Fire it very much does yes it's like, it's a great perfectly poster. encapsulate yeah. everything about the film you look at that poster and you know exactly what you're sitting down to watch yeah tonight is what it means to be young which is the closing song of the movie uh will get into my head sometimes and I end up having to listen to it like five times in a week and then it'll yeah. disappear and then it comes back a few months later and because we've been we watched this We've been wanting to watch this for a while, so I was already listening to all the songs before we watched it the other night because I've just been listening to them over and over and over again. And since watching it, I keep listening to them over and over and over again. They just pump you up and make you feel really fucking good. The soundtrack's interesting. Like On one hand, you have Ellen and the the big, big production, like meatloafy songs, and then there's like the Rye Cooter sort of like honky tonk songs, which is all it's, it's like that's the music of the, what are they called? 
the bombers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yes. like the Ry Cooter honky tonk music is like that's what the bombers listen to, and then like the 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 straights over in the clean part of town listen to Ellen Aim. It's I don't know. It's just all the songs are great. Great music, great soundtrack. You feel it in the movie. Sticks with you. Slushy. <laughs> it's your turn. I don't... Yeah, I've Slushy, been looking... this, was, this was not your first time seeing this, right, Slushy? Right. Uh, yeah. More to show this to me whenever that happened. Time How did you feel? I can never remember anything. The first time you've seen it, Slushy. It was like... It's hard to describe when you're not super into film in general and you watch a movie and you feel like you need to be into film as like someone who is interested in art. Like that, that is what this movie made me feel like. That you need to be in film. That I that as someone who is interested and cares about art as like a, a piece of culture and the human experience, I feel like, yeah, like this, this movie made me feel like I need to be paying attention to film more because, um, it's just, it's, it, it is crazy how well it encapsulates like, an idealized and yet very dark version of America. Mm. And like, obviously it's, it's, it's not a, a, it's not a perfect image of it. There's a lot of parts of America that are not represented here, but it, it is also one of those things where it's like this, I feel like this film is a great time capsule for American culture in a lot of, you know, like the, the action movie romance in, in, you know, kind of a narrow viewpoint of romance, but still romance. (laughs) Um, (laughs) like the clash between, uh, like money makers in, a derogatory sense and regular people. Right. The shit that like, it is also a pretty good, uh, showcase for how war affects a person, uh, two people in particular. More on that and later. <laughs> two. Oh, McCoy. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this is a movie that people, who care about filmmaking need to watch. And I feel like it's a fucking like truly, truly a shame that it is not considered a must watch for people who are into film. And I, it's a truly a shame that it like did poorly in the box office. This came out the same day as star Trek three and made one tenth of what Star Trek three made. Which one? Which one is three? Search for Spock. Right. The search for Spock. Yeah, not a good one. Yeah, and well. like yes, Star Trek is like obviously people watch Star Trek three because it's like 
you know, the one after Wrath of Khan. And also it's Star Trek. People know about Star Trek, but like, Jesus Christ, why did this movie get so ignored in the time that it came out? This is the movie to show your college friends. (laughs) This is it. This is the quintessential (laughs) movie to show your fucking college film buddies or anyone to impress people with. Listen, we started saying this, understand, we started saying this as a little laugh, and then it became a bit, and then it became a bit of a bit, but this is for real. (laughs) (laughs) This is for real, for real. Like, this is the movie. Yeah. To show your buddies. Yeah, like, this is, I feel like this is a movie that if you are, if you like, if you love movies, if you love films, and you're not like, you know, not on the level of like, oh, I have all the Criterion releases, of course, and I, yes, I've seen, I've seen The Seventh Seal seven times, at least, yes. Like, if you're not that kind of movie person, like, it's a good movie, though. If you just, <laughs> I mean, yes, it is. <laughs> I've seen all the works of Ingmar Bergman. Like, if you just like movies, you know, it's a great movie. A great, it really movie. is. <laughs> it's a great film. It's a great movie. It's not highfalutin at all, but it's it's really good. Yeah. Um, you know, some people might say I'm pretentious. I've heard it. I've heard the rumors. Okay. Uh, Streets of Fire warms my heart. Uh, let me let me just say, Count, you... Let me do my bit. <laughs> you, you mentioned tonight is what it means to be young. Uh, so here's... The last time, the, the last couple times I've watched this, I've come to grips with something. I'm, I'm bisexual, right? I've always had <laughs> trouble with male attraction because I came up when I did in central Kansas. You know, it's it's not normal to be attracted to men, right? It's it's always been difficult for me. Over the course of this movie, I fall in love with Tom Cody. And when he leaves at the end, I fucking cry. <laughs> like, I don't know like how else to explain it. Um, what a great character. Uh, and you know, you can, uh, you can attach to different parts of that as we'll talk about later. <laughs> he looks so fucking sad when he leaves. He does. I think he is. I know, yeah, but he feels like he needs to. He, he doesn't, doesn't feel like he you know, guitars. Yeah. <laughs> I have, can I, uh, I've been reading a little bit about the film on Wikipedia. Yeah. And I, it's I good. Wanna... It's good to have an ADD person who can do research during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, uh, just read a little excerpt here. Yeah. Um, 48 hours, mm-hmm. Walter Hill's film prior to this. Uh, he, he directed that the producers were Larry Gordon and Joel Silver and screenwriter, Larry Gross, um, Larry Gross published a diary that he was keeping during the shooting of 48 hours. Uh, and 
Was that after this or before or simultaneous? I don't, I don't, it it doesn't say when he published it, but okay. he was writing it while they were working on Forty Eight Hours. Um, and there is an entry dated twelfth of August, nineteen eighty two. Oh, okay. Uh, a night before filming Forty Eight Hours began, and this is that entry. Uh, again, this is written by Larry Gross, screener. Uh, Walter presents me with a page of notes he's prepared for a new script. It will be the first in a series of adventures of an action hero he's had it in his mind to create for a long time. The character's name is Tom Cody. And Walter has it in his head to create a franchise about him, introducing him as The Stranger. He asks me if I'm interested in writing the script with him. I ask him, is the Pope Catholic? Larry and Joel Silver would be along on this ride. Suits me. I feel like this guy writes characters the way he writes himself. And that's, I just found that really interesting. I wish we got more. Uh, yeah. Wait. I wish we, <laughs> and I also figured that would be a great segue into well the sequel to streets of fire i wish we got more hang on hang on i want to do my i I have a little presentation prepared monkey paw me on uh, okay we're doing it now on the on the the influences of streets of fire so i mentioned i i discovered streets of fire some some dumbass blog on some internet oh final fight the 1989 capcom game is is based on Streets of Fire. That's how I discovered the movie. Well, I, here's some comparisons. You have Tom Cody. If This is mainly for the video viewers, I guess. But uh, You have Tom Cody in Streets of Fire and Cody Travers in Final Fight, arguably the main character. They're both named Cody. That's kind of the whole thing there. Uh, I think the characterization <laughs> of Cody from Final Fight and well, later Street Fighter is pretty similar as well. That yes. Can we come back to that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So So there is I was worried you were just gonna leave it. There. No. There's one scene in the movie where Tom Cody wears uh suspenders and sort of like olive dress pants and it's a little bit like mayor mike hagar from final fight it's you know a little bit yeah uh the first the first enemy that you encounter in final fight is dressed like willem dafoe is in one (laughs) scene of streets of fire the enemy japanese get away with this the enemy named bread he just has the same weird like vinyl what what are these called? Like vinyl cis, overalls cis that overalls. go up to his nipples. Yeah, waiters, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a yeah. really strange outfit. Uh, Cody leave at end. Last, you know, in both <laughs> at the end of final fight, uh, Cody has rescued his beloved Jessica, and he walks away at the end of Streets of Fire. Cody has rescued Ellen Aim and he walks away. Uh, on that note, does that mean Guy is McCoy? You know, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I always, 
ever ever since I found out about the ending to Final Fight, like, okay, Cody's walking away, and then Jessica comes up, and she's like, Cody, wait. Guy jumps over Cody and punches him and knocks him down. <laughs> I've always thought that was very strange in the... Uh... I realized today maybe Guy did that so that Cody had to stop and talk to Jessica. You know? I always thought it was kind of... Mm. <laughs> I always thought it was like, why is... Why is this ninja beating up his friend? What, what's going on here? But uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, similar, similar character arc. Not much other similarities, as we said. You know, there's almost no fisticuffs in this movie, but uh, almost all of the action in Streets of Fire is gun based. No guns in Final Fight. So really, you know, if you come to this from the final fight angle, it's like mm, maybe <laughs> maybe you're gonna want you don't more punching a final fight movie. Right, that's brain smasher. That is brain smasher. Um, <laughs> which we talked about last week. But yeah, slushy. You, I guess. Uh, I guess we can talk about that now. So after final fight, Cody is sort of portrayed in a certain way. Like in final fight, you it's, it's like Tom Cody. He's like honorable, you know, he wants to go fight injustice. And then when he appears later in the Capcom universe, he's, he's in jail because he has some kind of mental disorder where he is unable to stop fighting. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, it would be weird if you were to think that same thing about Tom Cody and then make a movie about it 28 years later. <laughs> but, you know, that would be pretty weird. Some other... Well, the main difference is yeah. that Cody Travers from Final Fight puts, like wants to be in jail, keeps himself in jail, and has shown many times that if something happens and he feels like he needs to leave jail, he just can. Well, if you check time at story FAQ, uh, Cody is actually, yes. Character <laughs> in the entire universe. He is canonically the strongest. That's um, why he wears his very long handcuffs when he fights. Uh, because otherwise he's worried he would kill somebody. Just he's stronger the same than reason Stronger, way stronger. He could defeat M. Bison with no M. Bison. Only his pinky. Nope. No, he could do it. Cody's. Even Oro, who keeps one arm bound while fighting, just so that the other fighter has a chance, could not stand up to Cody Travers, now mayor of uh, Metro City. So some other, I don't really know some what, of the other the things I've got here behind that. Uh, there's a there's a dirty pear calendar, famous <laughs> famous <laughs> anime dirty pear. Uh, there's cool. there's just an image in a calendar that they're that the girls are dressed as Streets of Fire, so that's on the. Really, no other connecting tissue there. So Japan loves this movie. Japan does love they this fucking, movie. Yeah, they absolutely love this movie. Uh, another thing, the if you ever seen Bubblegum Crisis, famous cyberpunk anime, basically the opening scene of Bubblegum Crisis is the opening scene of Streets of Fire, like a 
eighties music performance with a lot of like very similar cinematography and then cut to like motorcycle based violence back and forth. It's not exactly the same, but very, very similar. Uh, another, <laughs> another influence is, uh, the proto men, which I don't count brought this up. I I've seen this image, the album cover, which is just the streets of fire poster. What is going on here? You two. Yeah, I'd like so that's Doctor Light holding uh, his wife who got killed by one of the robots oh that God. Light built, and that's Wiley on the screen, who's become kind of a 1984 style Big Brother in the city, uh, and has framed Doctor Light uh, by making his robot go rampant and kill his wife. Um, <laughs> this is all explained primarily in uh that album the one the father song. of death yeah there's one song in particular that kind of goes over that but i can't remember what it's called right now. so the proto man is not proto man of course is a mega man character the video game mega man i've always assumed the proto man was a video game cover band but i've learned today that they're not <laughs> they just they, they write original they write original songs about video games. Yeah, well, just about they, Mega Man. Well, yeah, only just about, about Mega Man. Only about Mega <laughs> they Man. did have okay. a cover album. Yeah, of eighties covers of Queen. All Queen was it? Was it all Queen? It's all Queen. Maybe they had another one that was. Maybe this came out in two thousand nine. I wanted to correct myself. September two thousand nine, because I kept saying two thousand eight. So I didn't know about Streets of Fire until two thousand nine. It was like. This album came out and was posted fucking everywhere on the net. Everyone was, all the nerds were going apeshit for it. And it's fucking, it's amazing. And I, I do like it. And then they were like, oh, it's based on Streets of Fire. So I ended up watching Streets of Fire my first semester. Has that three come out yet? It's never coming out. No, it didn't come out. (laughs) Uh, Valve count, count to three. Slushy. Neither can the Proto Men. Music in the Proto Man. Proto Man, not Valve. Believe it or not. They've released a couple of songs from Act Three, but I don't. They just haven't released that. If you're gonna, if you're gonna do a long-term project, you gotta, you gotta be able to finish it. Well, the first album was 2005. That was Act One. Act Two, 2009. Act Three hasn't happened. Are they still together? They're still together. They put out a live album in 2020. Um, That might be the covers that Slushy is talking about. But they did one in 2012, which was a Night of Queen, and it's all Queen. I'm talking about the cover-up. Yeah. So just some some of the influences of Streets of Fire. And we've talked about, in previous episodes, we've talked about uh, Radioactive Dreams, apparently influenced by Streets of Fire. Brain Smasher, probably influenced by Streets of Fire. Uh, Another film by Albert Pyun, influenced by Streets of Fire, is Road to Hell. Oh, Uh, boy. (laughs) Road to Hell came out in 2011? 2011? 12 i'm seeing it won some awards here uh this is a best picture 
So this is confusing, and I'm wondering what version we watched because yeah, um, under Does, the release, you think it would really matter? Are there multiple well, versions? I'm, under the release section of its Wikipedia, this is a movie that's hard to do any. We watched the uh, DVD. Okay, whatever's on well, the this DVD. Is, this is a movie that's kind of difficult to do research about because nobody knows anything about it, right? Or why it exists. Other than maybe Michael Paré is insane and Albert Pune just likes making movies. But um, the release section says the film had its world premiere at the Alamo Draft House Cinema in Austin, Texas in October 2008. The Chicago premiere of Road to Hell was at the Patio Theater in March 9th of 2013. In November 2013, additional shooting was done with singer Joey Falco from ABC's reality television show Wife Swap. <laughs> Uh, do you think that's like the guy, is that the guy who interviews her? Like who is, is that the radio guy maybe? Like, I can't uh, think of who that would have been. Yeah. I mean, I mean unless, as, unless we didn't see that version. He is listed as Gabriel the Archangel. Oh, well that's a lady. That Gabriel's the He's lady. The woman on the road. Okay. Okay. So we watched the full version. Oh, so that shit. That's shit. All right. Okay. I guess that explains yeah. why her name is spelled J O E I. Right, which is not a way. So getting getting ahead of ourselves here, this movie fucking sucks ass. <laughs> it it sucks. Paul, this like, is. Uh, I'd rather watch the Avengers again. This is a it's, a. it's a sequel. This is Road. This is Streets of Fire Two. In the mind of Albert Pyun and his wife, who wrote the fan fiction that this is based on, and apparently and Michael Paré, who is in it. And I guess like funded it in part. Yeah. Maybe like Pune states that the Genesis of road to hell began when he and Paré attended a film festival in Spain. And there's, they're just like, is what talking about it says, I guess so. Yeah. So what a strange thing like this. If you're looking at the video, you can see this this movie has all these all those little olive branch things that are always you always see them on the cover of a movie, and you know that's how that's how it's good and smart. I have no idea. Yellow Fever Belfast 2012 Polygrind Underground Film Festival 13 Costa del Sol Fantasy Film Festival like Best Actor like it has all these awards. I do not understand like what else was at these festivals anything like was this the only thing at these festivals because this might is, have been this um, is truly not even be real this is I've horrible at, <laughs> this is a horrible film and i know we've been a, we've been talking up pian and I, i've you know. looked at a couple of <laughs> um lists of like debuts and premieres from these festivals uh-huh. and multiple pune films at multiple of the festivals at the years when road to hell was given awards so like i i just don't know i would morbid curiosity about what those other movies would be and how they are because this is yeah this is worse than the worst puppet master that is an eclipse show this is worse than the avengers <laughs> this is worse than the avengers um this is a this is what the risey should cover Right, like every we we've been making a lot of little snide comments th- this episode. They're all directed at this film. 
<laughs> right, because it's fucking... I haven't seen a film this bad in a very, very long time. It's it's mind-boggling. Like this, it is it's a barely a movie. It's it is a road to hell. I keep saying road to hell. It is a Streets of Fire sequel. It has the names filed off, uh, like for I guess probably rights reasons. Although I, I feel like you could probably just have them be named the same thing, but like. Tom Cody is named Cody Wilson, but everyone just calls him Cody. And most of this stuff we only learn from a text crawl, like <laughs> which, yeah, like right. why, why even have the text crawl in the movies and tell us that they have different names if like you're just, uh, maybe that's the legal covering of ass, but like Ellen Aim is Ellen Target, uh, but then there's other like Fish and Raven get mentioned and like like nobody you know fish paid paid raven to kill ellen this um Aim. i don't because understand ellen also in this and that's his daughter yes so, <laughs> so okay the synopsis of this film is that tom two two ladies two hookers strippers i don't know both they're Two lesbians <laughs> <laughs> they have done a uh what's that movie they've done like a natural born killers style spree murder of like everybody at a strip club and now they're they're fleeing across the desert highway 666 and so is Tom Cody. Tom Cody is trying to go on Highway 666 to get to Edge City, which is, we find out where Streets of Fire took place. <laughs> they named and it they're now. all listening to 66.6 AM. Yeah. And also, the highways are evil, or the highways are... Right. Not really explained, the, I don't know. Like, the, the first thing in the film is there's this just text on the screen that's like, people people don't take fucking roads anymore there used to be angels on the roads now all the angels are fucking whores and you, people just take fucking highways now and it's this this quote is attributed to cody wilson <laughs> it's like some this i guess movie, somebody was just like really proud of that line and they couldn't fit it into the movie so they put it at the start of the movie i wanted to say something about this and this is coming from me yeah okay? coming from this you. movie is like extremely misogynistic like a really bad way right yeah. i i said like well, in, okay. a, in a very actual way so but and this is written by albert pune's wife would i i died to forget the name off the top of my head um i i said while we were watching streets of fire there's a point in streets of fire where tom cody knocks out ellen aim uh so he can go have a fight you know without her getting in the way <laughs> you know that's right right obviously these days that wouldn't fly couldn't put that in a movie unless it's versus another one of my top 10 movies what does that say about me i don't know i'll live with it but i i said while we were watching streets of fire road to hell is the movie you make if that's the part of streets of fire that turns you on is him knocking her out. Right, that's a little like, bit that they glimpsed. It's 
like if that's the thing you pulled from Streets of Fire that's like, oh, Tom Cody's awesome. Like he's this is so horrible. <laughs> it's so like he he encounters these women and he he just like continues it's established immediately like oh they're murderers and they're horrible people whatever i guess that's supposed to make it okay and he's like you you whores you bitches and he's like constantly just clocking them in the nose just beating the shit out of them till they're bleeding <laughs> and, and like crying and like for no apparent reason so and then the other thing is like Tom Cody's car breaks down and he has he has McCoy's corpse in his trunk which he has cut the eyes out of and carved the word Ellen on her chest like <laughs> So like the okay it's like a super soldier <laughs> while we were while we were watching this film I was like generally I was genuinely like trying to get anything out of it I was trying so hard like I was trying so hard to just figure out what the fuck I was watching and why it exists, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't get anything out of it. I, I had to, I had to go smoke a Swisher Sweet. Like, I've, like I don't think a movie has ever made me this angry. Just as like, what a, People, what a weird disappointment. What like, ah. <laughs> right, pe- people talk about the Star Wars prequels ruining Star Wars or the sequels ruining Star Wars. This doesn't ruin streets of hell but it's, it's such a fucking disappointment like it is like you fucking nerds know nothing <laughs> watch streets of fire and then watch the road to hell okay and it's it's more it's weirder because albert pune is like obviously big into streets of fire and like right on some level really gets it and then he makes this and it's I don't know. He said there were all these interviews on there was one interview on the DVD that said um, with Pune like in the lobby of the film festival or something and he he said like yeah you know Michael Michael's had a hard 28 years since Streets of Fire like in, in a lot of ways this is about that hard 28 years uh, this, this movie is really meaningful to him like what? <laughs> I, and I don't get it. Like he's never stopped point, working. He's never been in great movies since Streets of Fire, but like he says like this is not a sequel. I just want to see what he's been up to 28 years later. It's like, right. it's like it's it's so fuck? it's so the energy of this is like fucking it's like a Todd McFarlane like I said I said this earlier, like Cinderella too. Like like what if Cinderella was a fucking leather dominatrix and then like little Miss Muffet had like a real like a monster spider, you know, like it Right. It's like, no, you're missing the point. <laughs> also, nothing he just spends the movie beating the shit out of two women and it's constantly cutting into songs on the radio, constantly cutting to some uh, Gabriel the Angel on the road, and nothing fucking else happens. Right. It's all exposition like, told you. You know, show don't tell. This is all fucking tell. Like the entire movie <laughs> is just being told to you shittily. Like I'm. T- the and thing I was trying to reconcile, like, so okay, Cody, he spends the movie beating up these spree killing women, 
on in in the highway. So this movie is all green screened, and th- they don't have a steady camera. So like the foreground is kind of shaking a lot of times, but then the the green screen is not shaking. Like this movie looks like shit. There's like a yellow filter over everything. The contrast is all blown out. Um. <laughs> like the thing that I was trying to reconcile, like it's okay. You have this Archangel Gabriel lady, like speaking to the audience about how she's trying to save Cody's soul. And like the movie, it seems they're on highway six, six, six and the Archangel, like the movie has told you several times that it's literally purgatory, but at the same time, it's like, He's going somewhere like it's it's going nowhere fast. It's going nowhere fast. There's so many little like lines from the from Streets of Fire that are just thrown in in like a cute way. <laughs> so you think did he watch the original movie and you know a boy will be the next best thing next thing next thing to an angel and they took it literally as angels are around. <laughs> it's <laughs> like what the fuck. It's very di- like it's going for symbolism but it's also literal it seems to also be literal <laughs> it's so frustrating on like that level be- like he he killed mccoy you know <laughs> why like mccoy. he killed mccoy his friend his good soldier friend from the movie and like i don't know it's it's a it's a f- incredibly frustrating film I could give you a um, little and then, insight. And then at the into... end of the film, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. At the end of the film, he just he like he he finally meets up with his daughter, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna be a dad again." And then like that's how the movie ends. Like what? like never mind that he's he's killed a bunch of women like right. that day, and then like <laughs> like I know. It's a symbolism and it's purgatory, but also I guess he probably literally killed those people and he has been killing people, but like he's decided to be a dad now. It, it, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It's very frustrating. I don't understand his motivation because the movie makes it clear that Ellen was killed years ago and he only finds out at the end of the movie. So he thought Ellen was alive this entire time. Like what the fuck is like, I don't right. know. I don't know why he's going back to town then. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, it's like he's had a hard time and he's going he's going through hell to get home. Like it's it on paper it makes sense <laughs> to me. Right? But like It makes sense if it was like, hey, Ellen wants to come wants you to see her or something, but I don't know. I like at the core of the movie he He's a father who has never connected with a daughter who maybe he only learned about from the radio. Probably want to fucking kill her. That's what. It, well, that's what it seems like. Right? <laughs> For most of the movie, it seems like he's trying to get to her to kill her, and like these other women that he meets, like assume that's what he wants, and he's like, no, like it's ah, it's it's really it seems like it's trying. To do a symbolism, but it's hard to do a symbolism. It's when <laughs> when you're 
doing a fanfic about a character who's killed other characters from the original movie. <laughs> it's like it's so strange. I can't I can't reconcile it. I don't know. What were you gonna say, Slushy? Um both Albert Pune and his wife, uh, what was her name? Cynthia Kernan were interviewed about Road to Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll link these later so you guys can read them because they're, they are pretty insightful, but basically like Cynthia Kernan, who, who, you know, you mentioned was the screenwriter for this, uh, believes that Cody, like at the end of Streets of Fire, Cody knows that Ellen's life is going to be, you know, she's going to be a this huge star and he isn't going to fit into that. Yeah. And that's why he leaves. Because he understands that it wouldn't be a good relationship for either of them, which is why he says, you know, I'm not the kind of guy to carry guitars. Yeah. Albert Pune, on the <laughs> other hand, says that Ellen only cares about her. He, I'll 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 just read his exact words. The real Ellen was too shallow and sour. She couldn't be bothered with the feelings of other people. She never thanked McCoy for saving her. She exploited fish when she kissed him to hurt Cody. Cody was all about Ellen and Ellen was all about Ellen. He let her go so she could fulfill herself. Even when she said she'd leave it for all or leave it all for him, it was to get what she wanted but she would eventually have thrown or driven him away for someone like Ellen. The unavailable is more attractive than the available. I don't understand where the fuck he's getting any of that. Mm. I don't like disagree. I, <laughs> you can, you can read me uh, like whatever you want. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure. But also I don't understand why Cynthia Kernan, who seems to idolize Cody as like, a man's man who understands emotions would become this horrible bloody murderer who loves to torture women. Right. I mean, there's the, (laughs) it's reminded me of the line from streets of fire where McCoy is like, some people, some people don't talk about their feelings because they don't have them. Other people don't talk about their feelings because they got them more than anyone. Yeah. You know, great line. Um, it is, (laughs) It, Which one? Watched, Which one did you make a movie about? <laughs> when we watched Streets of Fire, which we watched after this, um, I was just thinking like that whole opening scene is an entire better movie than obviously Road to Hell is. Just like that one little fucking opening song. It's like this is incredible, and Road to Hell captures none of this. So on the on the on the context i don't know what i'm trying to say on the note of rodell connecting to streets of fire we find out once once cody reaches edge city and finally reaches his daughter and his sister same actor in both movies she's in <laughs> she's in both movies too but right, they brought her back um she she lets us know that fish Fish had Raven kill Ellen. <laughs> so that's how Ellen died is Rick Moranis had Willem Dafoe 
paid paid him to kill her. <laughs> it's so. just weird because like Fish wouldn't want to do that for emotional reasons or monetary reasons, and I don't think Raven would want to do that. Right. Which yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like for he's not he, he's not a killer. Raven, <laughs> you never yeah, that's, you never get the impression that he's a killer. That's the thing with like Streets of Fire is everybody goes so hard out of their way to make sure they don't fucking kill anyone. Yeah. And then they're just killing people Which, constantly in Road to Hell. Like in fucking brutal ways. And that's that's so part of the ways. Yes, that's that's like part of the the problem I have with like recon- reconciling the symbolism with the literal is like by the t- when, once he gets to Edge City and is reunited with his daughter, like we're back in the real world, right? But like, no, <laughs> the re- the real world of the movie is still like a horrible place, and everyone's horrible. So like, was was anything fake? I I don't know. Um, and then <laughs> and then at the very end of the movie, uh, the final there's one final screen of text that says that night Cody Cody caught his fish and gutted him but he was he was disappointed to find that Raven had already been killed by his daughter and the name and it, it turns out Raven's daughter was one of the two murderer women that he ran into on the road so just just like a really <laughs> it's we were talking about a lot of tight scripts yeah. This episode, this is not one of them. Apparently, I mean, I would be surprised if there really was much of a script, but right. Uh, just, I don't know. How do you how do you get here from Streets of Fire? <laughs> <laughs> like, it it's a bad like follow up. Tonally, it's a bad follow up story wise you know it's it just i don't know and it uh one of the best music driven movies of the year most of the songs in the film are just streets of fire songs like there's right there's there's two two covers of ellen aim songs and then and then there's like one other one or two other songs that like uh, and they fucking suck. They're not good. They're not great. They're not great. But I don't want to insult the musicians. I know they, you know, God bless you, but the, the you, you covers put, are fine. Like <laughs> I don't feel like they're, you know, I thought they were kind I, of lackluster in comparison. Well, yeah. Like if you're going to do it, if you're I think for a zero budget for, like small band covering okay that's such fair. a such a that's like fair. blown overblown musical production like it's fine they right. they it's do a fine like, job but like it's not their fault yeah i would say so i, I do apologize and i retract that because i'm, I'm realizing <laughs> now it's not their like they were hired to do it and they did it fine for yeah. what they were paid to do uh but just as a follow-up to streets of fire it just seems like a I I would say don't see this. <laughs> like just 
Stay far like away from not it. Not as a curiosity. Maybe if you're like a fucking film student or something and you want to write a paper on it or something, maybe you could do that. You gotta someone's gotta track down Michael Pere and and fucking just ask him about this. It's it's weird, you know? Even even uh even just as a as a metaphor about twenty eight hard years in Hollywood, it's I just I just don't get it. Right? Did he want to? <laughs> Michael probably want to fucking kill women? Like, dude, what, the, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> uh, weird, weird movie, bad movie. Um, one of the worst. This is truly one of the worst movies. And we've especially in comparison to the first. We've been on on such an Albert Pyun kick these last episodes. We've we've been loving his work. Jumped ahead a few years. <laughs> what uh, what a disappointment! I don't know. Yeah. Anything else, Sludgy? Uh Michael Pare Michael Pare was apparently not involved with. Uh, the writing of Road to Hell at all, according to Cynthia Kernan. Well, yeah. And she I mean, also says because it's her that yeah. It's her. She thick. also says <laughs> the new the new Tom Cody is. I, I want to get the exact line here because it's ridiculous. Um, Michael Perry's performance is in, is astonishing. Much darker, more nuanced and mature than Tom Cody's character from Streets of Fire. He's less pretty, more handsome, and sexier because he's more dangerous. Who's saying I this? I think this, the Cynthia Kernan is saying that. Oh, wow. The lady who wrote the film, and I think yeah. maybe she just is really into some weird shit. No kink shaming, but get a grip, lady. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they ruined Luke Skywalker. He threw away the lightsaber. Why would he do that? They just... <laughs> Bastardize his whole character. They, he would never behave like this. <laughs> watch Road to Hell. Okay? That's Don't watch Road, Road to Hell. hell. Ignorance is bliss. To hell to. Enjoy your little bubble. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> if you fucking hate the Star Wars sequels, watch Streets of Fire, then Road to Hell. That's who it's for. Okay. I love it. It's good. <laughs> well, all the people that hate the Star Wars sequels, not all, a lot of the very vocal people that hate the Star Wars sequels really just hate women, so maybe they'll love Road to Hell. <laughs> you'll love Road to Hell. If you hate women, you'll love Road to Hell. That should be on the fucking poster. A misogynist wet dream. Uh, here's another thing. From Road to Hell is in Streets of Fire, you know, Cody is like an ex soldier. He's like, he served for what must have been not very long. And all he says about it is like, I like shooting the guns. <laughs> right. In in Road to Hell, the Archangel Gabriel speaks to the screen and is like, Tom Cody was m- mutated by the government program into the most elite killer of all time uh, like he, he was he went on missions 
and killed so many people on his missions and he was so good at it and that's what he's still doing he's still killing people all the time constantly and it's all that he does and it's all that he knows because that's what the government did to him <laughs> this is like if the sonic oc people on deviant art back in the day got to make a movie about their the edgy character i'm sure it still happens right the sonic ocs aren't as edgy anymore well, they used to be, you know, 2002, yeah, 2003. Sure. Like, those people, if they got their hands on a camera and, and a green screen. <laughs> uh, bad movie. Um, don't watch it. Watch Streets of Fire. Watch Absolutely Gross Point Blank. Watch. Uh, watch uh, Only Lovers seems good. I don't know. Yeah, watch Only Lovers. Watch The Love Witch. Um, I think Road to Hell is the only one I can't recommend this week. And here's what else you can do: you can uh, you can, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music. We think. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, I don't know. Uh, what's the other one? <laughs> YouTube, Spotify, Google, Apple, Spotify. YouTube. Uh, leave, leave a review. It really helps us. I've heard people say this a lot. Well, I don't know. Engagement. I don't Thumbs know what helps. it means. Um, but uh, yeah. Thank Anything you so else? much for listening. Have a happy October. Yeah, we're gonna be Thanks, we're gonna be trying to figure out Slushy's going to Sweden. We're gonna be in flux a little bit, but we're gonna figure out a schedule. We'll be back. We're gonna. If you don't watch hear movies. from us. It's not nothing you did. <laughs> well, the Let's Kill Count episode will be before I leave for. Boy, I thought we were doing that after. That's really moving the schedule up on it, huh? Because I got wedding shit slushy. All right. Maybe. And Halloween, we got to do horror movies. Yeah, we got to do horror. We got to watch horror movies. Horror October. Here's a horror movie, Road to Hell. Yeah. <laughs> Start off your spooktober with that. <laughs> put that, put away the hocus pocus. <laughs> Hey, what were what were they playing at the Halloween party? How we rode to hell. <laughs> I got to see it. Wasn't a, good. It was horrible. A hateful, a hateful lesbian cut off her partner's head and stick it on her jeep like a fucking hood ornament. <laughs> horrible, horrible film. Anyway. Uh, that's all. Bye. Say goodnight, Slushy. Goodnight, Slushy.